Here's another listener. Essay. Essay. This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Essay. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is the back half of our May 2018 Listener Essay Contest. Five more essays for you each day this week, starting with today's essay, which is number eight in our contest, and is titled, A Log on the Fire, and written by Lisa. Now, I want to quickly say a special thank you to all of you who have submitted essays this past week and sent emails about the songwriting contest. Now, there will be a songwriting contest in July and another listener essay contest in August to fit in the ones that were recently submitted and just won't fit into this current contest. But no worries. We'll just do another listener essay contest and we'll keep doing them as long as you listeners have things that you want to say. So please keep sending in your submissions. They're great. But you know what else would be great? Not very many of you have been going to the website to fill out the little voting surveys for each of these listener essays, and I'd like to see more of those. And so would Jesus. And I'm sure so would our authors. They'd like to get more feedback on the essays that they wrote and recorded and submitted for this contest. So please remember to go to the website, infantsonthrones.com, find the post for today's essay, and spend a couple of minutes casting your vote and providing some feedback. It's easier than home teaching, visiting teaching, ministering, or whatever the hell they're calling it now. So please give feedback, because if you don't, you're lame. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to be. And why would anyone want to make the devil happy? He's bad. He's bad. The devil is bad. Do you want to be bad too? Or do you want to be good? Like today's author, Lisa, who wrote A Log on the Fire. So take it away, Lisa. And stop making the devil be happy. A Log on the Fire I threw my first log on the fire when I was 12. I was called to be in the Beehive Presidency and I was so proud. There are many girls that could have been chosen. But Joy Allison chose me to be her counselor. What a privilege. I got to go to extra meetings, be in charge, spend more time with Sister Caroline, and I got a really awesome binder with all the other girls' phone numbers in it, including my best friend's number. I still have it memorized. She was in my ward too, but not in the Beehive Presidency. I must have been just a hair bit better than her. I don't know how or why I was better than her, but I must have been for Heavenly Father to tell Joy Allison to pick me and not Chris. My dad, also a privileged individual, was the bishop. He had thrown many logs on the fire. Although he hadn't been doing it his whole life, he had many years, mostly during his teens and early 20s, that he had lived in the dark. He took a break from keeping his fire going, and he always felt bad about that. The few pictures of him and my mom during that time in their life looked like they were having a great time. Kayaking, fishing, education, lots of friends. But apparently they had to get back on track and throw logs so God would bless them with kids. From age 12 to 16, I threw lots of logs on my fire. 
mostly when people were watching, not great big ones, but enough to get the praise from adults telling me how great my fire was burning. The praise felt good and I was warm. During my teenage years, I watched my dad throw an enormous burn-all-night log on his fire when he would go every morning at 5 a.m. as he headed off to bishopric meeting. Oh, such a privilege. He couldn't talk about what he did there, and he had to limit the note-taking he did on his hand. He fell into bed early every night, dead to the world. I would sometimes crawl in bed with him just so I could spend some time with him. He never turned me away even though he was beat. I would talk his leg off. He would say, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure he didn't hear a word I was saying, except when he had his daddy spidey sense telling him that I was neglecting my fire. Then he would talk for hours about how important it is to keep your fire burning. A fire is the only way you will make it in the cold, dark world. Think deep, he'd say. Of course, it was the art of fire building that he wanted me to think deep about. Prayer, scripture reading, fasting. If I had questions, he always had the answers. Throw another log on the fire. Have you taken that problem to the Lord, sis? My mom's fire was glowing bright yellow. She loved throwing logs on. Always cheerful, crackling fire she had. She had devoted her whole life to keeping her fire burning and helping all of us keep our flames going. She not only helped us, she ignited fires all around her. 11-year-old boys, girls camp girls across the whole valley, Relief Society women, and especially the ladies lucky enough to call her their visiting teacher. My mom knew everyone, and every time she saw them, she asked how their flame was doing. Fires are really all she knows how to talk about, but she does crackle cheerfully. Fire building became big business when I moved away from my parents, Glow, and married Paul. Paul's fire was actually smoldering when I married him. I didn't know this, so now it became my job to keep both of our fires ablaze. Throwing logs on two fires is a lot of work. Sometimes I would get mad and tell him to be in the cold then. You know what it takes to keep your fire burning. If you're not going to do it for yourself, then freeze. But then a big problem came that made it so I couldn't let his fire go out. Kids, yikes, I had to keep his fire burning. So I would throw a log on my fire, then chuck a log on his. It was harder to throw from a distance, but kids, you know, Little did I realize keeping two fires burning would be so much work. Sometimes the fires would be really far apart and I would have to throw a log on mine and then run a long ways to reach Paul's to throw a log on it. It did help that Heavenly Father kept giving me big jobs, really big ones, so the logs were heavy and burned a long time. They were hard to throw and my muscles sometimes got weak. I often envied my sister's fire. It was a huge flame, and her husband's fire was really close to hers, so they could throw logs on each other's fire. Wow, two bonfires. Oh yeah, not to forget the super long-lasting source of heat and light, coal, which you can buy for only 10%, pre-tax of course. Paul was really against this, but I persisted and won, as usual. I bought more coal than I ever needed just to save up in case something bad happened.
And then there was the super duper sacred, not secret place where I could go and get super duper logs. I tried to get Paul to come with me and get some super duper logs for his fire, but no, this was just asking too much. So fine, I'll go twice a week, once to get my super duper log and once to get his super duper log. So much pressure, but pressure is what a fire is all about, science, right? I often felt a lot of guilt for not having the perfect fire. I tried more coal, more super duper logs. Nope, not big enough, not hot enough, not bright enough, not enough. So now kids, six fires to keep going. Some of the kids bought into the fire building business on their own. They ignited their own flames and mostly threw in their own logs. One of them even threw in diesel for two years. Oh, proud mama moment. My blessing baby loved building fires. He loved it so much he would go to the wilderness with strange men and spend weeks lighting fires. He was so good at it, two summers they paid him to be the fire master. But apparently fires should not be built in rainbow colors, so they kicked him out of the fire building business. That's messed up. God loves everyone. Ask precious moments. It's okay though, he had already figured out fire building was a waste of time. He's much more happy now and much more fun. I tried really, really hard. I even nagged my oldest kid about the importance of logs, but for some reason he never found fire building important. He said he was warm and he could find his way without firelight. Could this be? Was I a failure? Then one day I was exhausted from all this fire building. I needed Paul to just go with me to the super duper sacred not secret place and get his own damn super duper log. He didn't have to throw it in the fire, he just needed to pick it up. Because if he didn't go with me, I would have to ask another man to go with me to the super duper sacred not secret place and that would just be weird. I promised I wouldn't make him ever go again. And then I saw his pain. Fire building hurt Paul. Not only did he not like fires, it actually caused him physical pain. It seared his soul. Wait, I thought. Stop. Okay, I'll listen. Paul told me all about fires. Fires trick your brain into thinking you can't live without them but you really don't need them. He showed me how the world was bright, warm, and beautiful when you step back from the fire. He showed me the wonderful, brave people who were living and loving without fires. He really had left the fire long ago, but he was still in the bright. Could this be? No fires? Wow, who knew? I stepped back from my fire, and sure enough, he was right. I found out for myself. The world is shining, brilliant, dazzling, radiant, vibrant. All without a fire. I love my life without fire building. I'm discovering who I am inside. I'm getting through the stages of grief and regret with the help of some really amazing ladies. I'm living for today because that's all there is, although no one really knows. And here I am, three years later, living an amazing life without wasting more time, money, and effort, keeping fires going. 
Oh, every once in a while, I go with my parents and sibling and throw a log on their fires. It's okay. They're obsessed with fire building, and I love them. Fires are still really important to two of my kids. But not more important than family. They're going to be okay. They know a fire once destroyed our house, but it can't destroy our love. So there you go. Thank you very much, Lisa, for your essay. Now, if you as our listener want to go and vote for this essay, go to our website, find this episode, click on the voting link, and leave your feedback. And if you haven't already joined us on Patreon, please consider signing up and supporting Infants on Thrones for as little as $1 per episode, capped at whatever budget you want to give yourself for the month. Your generosity helps keep this podcast alive and growing. So thank you. And tune in tomorrow for another listener essay. Pretty bird, pretty bird. Hey, this is Billy and 4C from Rhode Island. Yes, that's right. The blind kid from Dumb and Dumber, and now Dumb and Dumber 2, too. Yes, a pseudo-celebrity Mormon. Infants on Thrones has helped me come to grips with the tragedy that I've seen. Well, heard about at least, when learning that the thing that mattered most to me ended up being dead all along. I mean, Petey didn't even have a head. If you heart the show as much as I do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Write a short review, and oh my heck, why not post about it on the social media? Unless you're still stuck in the Relief Society closet about your faith transition stuff like I am. And always remember, I just thought he was real quiet. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones.